Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Welcome to Ireland's Birth Stories, a podcast where women can share their experiences with pregnancy and birth. Ireland's Birth Stories is brought to you by Nice to Meet You Ireland, a group created to bring women together. In this week's episode, we chat to Lorraine and she talks us through her three pregnancies and births. Lorraine also speaks very honestly about her experience with postnatal depression. Before we started recording the podcast, we were just chatting about how your partners can support you throughout your pregnancy and also during the birth. And she was mentioned her husband, Eamon, was such a support, um, which we both agree is so important. So she's obviously an advocate for including your, your partner in preparing for the birth. You're very welcome, Lorraine. Do you want to just start by giving us a little introduction? Yeah, um, my name's Lorraine. I'm 34. I'm married to Eamon and we live in Nace and we have three children. Uh, we have Ruben, who's five and a half, Pippa, who's three, and Ada, who is just gone 18 months. Okay, brilliant. So was Ruben, um, your first pregnancy, was he planned? Yeah, definitely. Um, we were only married six months and my dad was diagnosed with terminal cancer. So I decided we need to have a baby. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so literally two months after dad's diagnosis, we were, I was like, look, we need to, need to get going. Um, and we were so lucky. There was no trying first go and got pregnant straight away. Okay, brilliant. So very, very lucky. Um, so yeah, definitely planned, um, quite a normal pregnancy, um, okay. bit of sickness, the first probably four or five months, um, tiredness, the usual kind of, of what you get. Um, I had SPD on Reuben, okay. um, he was a big, big baby. And um, so there was kind of times that I would have ended up on crutches or wearing bands oh, right, okay. um, and go for physio. I kind of had the coom in my head because yeah. my sister would have had her kids there. Sorry, and, we have Eva here with um, us as well, just so everyone <laughs> knows. Sorry, go on. Um, and I heard about the combined care with my doctor. Yeah. So my doctor at the time, it, she kind of, would have worked in the coom for quite a long time before she moved to the GP here in Nace and she was amazing absolutely okay. amazing she would have had a gynae background um so attended her and then obviously had my appointments in Nace hospital then with the, the clinic there for the coom 
That was so oh, handy then, because considering you lived... So handy. Yeah. Like, couldn't get it any easier, to be honest. Um, so, yeah, that was kind of the route we went down. We went um, public yeah. and had absolutely no issues. Um, I wasn't the biggest fan of my consultant. Okay. <laughs> um, he just was quite a direct... Uh, kind of man not the most friendliest of people but in the end he actually I would have been under him for all three of my babies and um, by the second I was kind of you know getting to like him and by the third he was great so so you build a relationship then (laughs) yeah definitely um so yeah that's kind of the the route we went and quite a normal pregnancy until I think it was about 22 weeks my GP had kept, I kept noticing when she was scanning me that um, Ruben's bladder was quite full all the time. Okay. Um, and would kind of keep me there for a little while and scan again. And she just was keeping quite a close eye on it. She said, just doesn't seem right. So I kept going back, back to my hospital appointments and saying to my consultant and he wasn't really... Um, taken heed of what I was saying okay. and it wasn't until I was 32 weeks that he eventually listened and scanned me himself and realized okay yeah the bladder is quite big and full so referred me to Professor Daly in the coom. so he scanned and said there is a possible reflux um, with the kidneys but we won't be able to determine that until delivery and okay, you know right. when he's here and see see how he gets on so that was the only kind of thing that kind of came up during the pregnancy with Ruben we did the antenatal classes they would have been in the vista um in NACE um found them okay yeah um, not like hugely informative I kind of found that the most beneficial thing for me was the actual photos of the yeah. Because I couldn't kind of get in my mind where I was going to be. So, what would you recommend then? Because we had this, dis- I had this discussion with someone else, and we were talking about if you had to go into theatre, that'd be nice to be able to see a video Definitely. in the yeah. So something. Definitely. Well, what I thought was really strange was when I had was in for my third, um, it was the day after she was born, and this nurse came into the ward and said, um, "Would you mind if I showed some expectant parents the ward?" And of course, all the other women in the ward just closed their curtains. I was the first at the door and I was like, yeah, OK, I don't mind. Yeah. Um, so she ended up bringing in like four couples um, and then I, they did like a little mini interview with me, you know, oh, cool. what baby is this, you know, uh, how did it go in compar- comparison to other deliveries and, you know, what's the hospital like? And afterwards, I was like, that should be offered to yeah. like all parents. Okay, maybe not necessarily even to go to the ward to see the new moms. But I think to be able to see, you know, the the surgery rooms, if you end up, you know, in for a section, the delivery suites, and um, yeah. your options as far as like if you're going to have a water birth or, you know, all the different types of kind of equipment and stuff they have. I think, especially for first-time moms, it's really daunting. You just... Yeah, you can't visualize it, and yeah. I suppose that was I found that was the the most beneficial thing. Um, but 
I've like I've heard of lots of people going privately to do antenatal classes and came out with a lot more information. Yeah. Um, so I think if we went back and it was our first again, I'd probably think about it more and research it more um, to get as much information, you know. I think it'd be great as well if like on the system somewhere there was the option to have to go hypnobirthing if you wanted or do gentle birth or just something else yeah on top of just the regular definitely there's there's not enough information um given to moms um, or parents whether it's from your gp or whether it's from your clinic um or the hospital you're very much i found my gp amazing full of information but i mean you're whether you're going to the hospital directly or you're going to one of their clinics you know, you're kind of, you're a number, you're in, you're getting the bits done, everything's checked, I'll go, out you go, you know, you're finished. And why do you think that is? Do so, you think it's time restraints? Definitely. Well, okay. I know in, in the NACE clinic for the coom, it's just mental. Like, you're talking two, three, four hour wait, it could okay. get to that, because by the time the consultant gets to the clinic... Um, you could be sitting there two hours. Right. And that's not where you want to be when you're pregnant, no? No, definitely not. Um, Now, I know on my last baby, I was able to do the midwife care. So I didn't have to see the consultant directly. Um, And that was amazing. So, so much quicker. You went in, you met the midwife, she did her usual checks, and that was it. You You were gone. So those appointments were super fast. Um, but I suppose with Ruben and with Pippa, I had to go to the consultant because they had picked up, obviously, on the kidneys. And then with Pippa, they thought this could be something that would follow on to the next baby. So okay. they wanted to keep a close eye. Okay, so, so that's kind of comforting then that that, that they oh, no, definitely. made that call. Yeah, yeah definitely. So with 32 weeks then with Ruben, after you got that news, um, what was the advice you were given then? So you just obviously were told to wait until birth. Yeah, so Professor Daly had said that realistically it would probably be when he was four to six weeks old that we would, um, he would go for an ultrasound and they'd have a, a, a look and investigate and see what exactly was going on. Okay. Um, and that's kind of as much as he could give us. Um so it really, I suppose, it was just kind of to wait and see what would happen after after he was born. Okay, and so then into your third trimester, um, how did you feel? Um, my third trimester was kind of stressful. Um, at that stage, my dad um, was really sick and we had got him home um, to keep him comfortable. So mm-hmm. I suppose I was more focused on my dad than mm-hmm. being pregnant <laughs> um but I took I finished work early I finished work at trying to think probably nine weeks before I was due okay um to be at home with my mom and dad and try and help as much as I could and that was really good because I got loads of nice time with my dad yeah um so as stressful as it was we still got really good time together. Um, so I'm really glad that that we did that. Um, so yeah, it was a strange um, 
pregnancy. <laughs> and you were probably also dealing with that news as well about Ruben. So you were kind of probably yeah, anxious was, about that. I was a bit anxious. Um, I wasn't overly um, okay. worried because I would have had reflux as a baby. Um, okay. And I would have had a procedure done when I was three, um, a sting procedure to repair the kidneys and um, to repair the reflux. So there was kind of a history in it. Like my mom yeah. would be the same and my brother would have had a reflux as well. So I didn't think it was, we were going to get as much of a diagnosis as we did after he was yeah. born. Okay. Know? So do you want to talk me then through the first signs of labor? Yeah. So I suppose on your first, you're just, yeah, I'm a cue. <laughs> um, <Nope. laughs> so, oh God. Yeah. What you think is labor <laughs> really isn't. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I was like marching around Tesco's, getting my few bits and I was feeling a few twinges and I was like, oh, you know, what's happening? I would have had Braxton Hicks probably for maybe two weeks before that, um, but they were very mild and nothing major. I had been to my consultant um, the week previous and I'd asked him if he could do a sweep for me. Okay. And he said, well, there's no need. And I said, you know, at the time, my dad was really going downhill. And I was like, you know, I'm quite eager to get baby out. My GP was quite eager to get him out because of the bladder. And, you know, he was a fine sized baby. He was well cooked. Um, and she kind of thought it would be a good time to, to get him out. Yes. So I'd gone into him and um, I had said, you know, could you do a sweep? So he said, that's fine. I'll do a sweep. And I said, great. So he did. And then he said, um, you know, if nothing happens, come into me tomorrow, come into the hospital tomorrow and we'll induce you. Um, but I think I'll see you before then. So I was like, okay, right. Fair enough. So went about my business. We went for a tapas, went to go for a tapas. And as I was getting out of the car, my water's just oh okay went straight away uh so I was like right well we're not going to get our tap ass now <laughs> yeah. so um came home and uh, started to panic a bit and um, rang the hospital and they were saying you know if the waters have gone you kind of need to come in and um, and they continued to go so my sister came down to me which was really comforting and um, because my mom obviously couldn't because she was with my dad got a bit to eat and then I said right we'll we'll make the move and we'll head up so up to the coom and into the assessment unit and she had a look and she was like yeah you're probably only about two centimeters um but you have to stay because your waters are gone and your husband has to go and I got so upset um just I was distraught I really didn't think I was going to be left on my own he came brought my stuff into me and um yeah I suppose it seems so long ago now but when I think back I was so scared so so scared naturally Um, yeah and he (laughs) Eamon had brought his sleeping bag and his pillow (laughs) So he was all set up in the car, in the car park. And I was like, you're not leaving. You're not going anywhere. And so he was there. So I was able to ring him and text him and the whole lot. But I just walked the corridors, just could not get comfortable, couldn't settle and was contracting, but nothing, you know, major. 
at the time, of course, I thought it was, but obviously it wasn't. And did you have a plan? Did you have the like your ideal labour in your head? What pain medication did you want to use or did you want to use any at all? Yeah, I suppose for Reuben, I was like, put all the drugs tattooed on my head. Yeah. I was like, I'm not doing this. I can't deal with pain. Um, so I didn't go in with a plan, mm-hmm. um, but I knew I would do what I could. And if I needed pain relief I would I would I would look for it um so I got the pethidine injection actually okay. that night um but it didn't do anything for me um and then she was giving me paracetamol to try and help uh, but I think to be honest I probably just had myself in a state mm-hmm. you know more than anything else and I was really focused on having my baby getting out of the hospital and getting home to my dad yeah uh, so I couldn't really, I wasn't in the zone that I needed to be in. Um, I was just distracted with so many other things going on around me. Um, so the following morning, Eamon came straight up. I think it was at like six o'clock in the morning. I was like, get up, come up to me. Um, and then Chris Fitzpatrick came around and he said, oh, I told you you'd be here. <laughs> um, and he's like, look, we're going to induce you nothing is moving nothing's happening you're still only two centimeters we're going to induce you and I said grand he said there's a bit of a list you'll be waiting a while and I said that's fine and so eventually got brought to the labor ward and was induced and I think it was one o'clock in the day Um, and that was quite intense you know um, went from like zero to ten very quickly um, and see, at this stage, you would have only had the pethidine. You would have had, you wouldn't have had an epidural or anything, because I've heard that no. um, when you're induced, it can be really, really full on. Yeah, and they tell you as well, like you can't have an epidural until I think you're past three. Yeah, three centimeters. Um, I'm sure I haven't even got oh, to sure. that. Yeah, but I didn't need it at that stage. Like okay. it was, it was, it was completely bearable, so it was fine. Um, but once I got the, once they started to induce me, uh, they put me onto the oxytocin straight away. So there was no kind of gel or anything like that. It was straight into being induced. Um, so that picked up things very quickly. And I think it was by three, half three. I was like, I cannot do this. Get me the epidural. Yeah. Um, I was more scared about getting the epidural than actually having a baby. I just had this thing in my head about needle in the back and it just kind of freaked me out but um got it done and I convinced I cut off the circulation in Eamon's hands because (laughs) I was squeezing them so tight trying to stay still like the fear of moving or something going wrong and but got the epidural and everything was lovely everything was great and got to sleep for a few hours and then I think it was I was slowly kind of starting to dilate and getting there. And um, I sent Eamon out to get some food. I was like, look, you know, it could be a long night. Go and get some food. I was like, bring me back some chips. I'm starving. <laughs> and um, that was fine. So he came back anyway with a few chips. And all I wanted was chips and milk, which is just odd. Yeah. Well, so I forced a few chips into me <laughs> and a load of milk. And um, oh, I forgot to mention, actually. A thing that happens to me throughout my labours is I vomit. Right, okay. <laughs> Continuously. So this would have started for me the night before on Ruben. Um, but 
and you would have been doing so without aiming as well yeah and I'm a real baby like I was always (laughs) used to my mom holding back my hair you know um so yeah that was kind of that was a struggle but um so I had my few chips and I had my milk and then the midwife came in and was like have you been eating I was like no no why she said you're not allowed to eat when you've had an epidural I was like oh Oh, I didn't know that I didn't know that either and she was like you would have signed you know whatever and I was like I don't remember signing anything obviously I did but I have no recollection you definitely weren't reading it that's for sure who's who's but yeah so I had my chips then they didn't stay down too long but there was a change of midwives like eight o'clock is the usual kind of between half seven and eight the midwives change and we had a fabulous midwife came in so then all of a sudden um I was 10 centimeters and she said you know once you start feeling pressure it means it's time to push so that started and I think we're probably I was probably pushing for maybe 20 30 minutes um and it was so funny because um when I was pushing obviously his head was crowning and the midwife said you know do you want to to feel the head and I was like oh god so I did and it was the craziest thing ever (laughs) but it was amazing and um she turned around and she said oh I think we might have a ginger and the the funny thing is my husband is half Iraqi so he's very dark, dark black hair, big brown eyes. And we had already picked the name Ruben before, you know, he, he arrived. And I was thinking, oh, you know, he's going to have all his daddy's features. Ruben's yeah. so going to suit him. So she said, oh, I think we have a ginger. And Eamon was like, not a chance. There's no way, like, he, he's ginger. <laughs> Absolutely not. Um, so, yeah, the pushing I found with him really difficult because I was holding my breath. Um, and I felt I just wasn't coping very well. Um, okay. But the midwife was so good to, to kind of calm me down, tried to give me the gas and air, but it just it wouldn't agree with me. I just don't like the, the sensation of it. Yeah. Um, and could so, you feel anything? Because you would have been controlling the pump then for the epidural. So did, were you able to feel anything no, at all when you were pushing? Okay. Absolutely nothing it was amazing like I was like this is the, like the best thing ever I could feel pressure yeah you know like a tightness in my belly but I didn't have any of that burning sensation anything like that so okay. that was really really good um and so yeah pushing for probably 20 30 minutes the head was out and she got kind of the shoulders out and then she said do you want to pull them out and I was like what? She goes, yeah. Like, do you want to do you want to pull him out? So I put reached down and kind of put my hands in under his little armpits ah. and pulled him out <laughs> on, on top of me, and it was just mad, absolutely crazy. And he was a big ginger, <laughs> <laughs> big gorgeous ginger, a big gorgeous ginger, um, eight pounds fourteen. Yeah, he was he was amazing. And, and so was it the midwife Rebecca who was there when you were when you gave birth to him? That was the best part. There was me, Eamon, and the midwife. Yeah, lovely. It was so chilled. It was so relaxed. Um, there was no stress. It was just really, really calm. And I had her one side and Eamon on the other side. And 
that was it. And that's what I loved, that there was no need for anybody else to be in the room. Yeah. Um, but when he came out then, he his breathing was kind of strange and um, they needed to suction him. There was mucus um, okay. in his chest. So they called for the doctor to come down. And she came down and she took him over to the side of the room and she suctioned him and brought him back over to me. And she just said, you know, his oxygen levels aren't great. Um, I think we should bring him up to neonatal. Right, okay. Whereas I was like, absolutely not. <laughs> You're not bringing him anywhere. And the midwife was so good. She was like, look, give her 20 minutes. Just let her do skin to skin for 20 yeah. minutes and just see what happens. Um, so the pediatric doctor went off. And I got him onto me and started trying to feed and he latched straight away and had a good feed and then snuggled down. The breathing seemed to calm down and he irregulated. And then the doctor came back after 20 minutes and she was like, no, he's absolutely fine. Um, no concerns at all. So brilliant. Okay. only for the midwife. Um, yeah. She was yeah. brilliant. Like she really was. So, yeah, um, it was a real calm delivery good yourself and the midwife really seem to be a good pair because you need yeah. them to be your voice don't you sometimes definitely um poor Ali and you know <laughs> didn't know what to do or you know I suppose he felt completely useless um yeah. but you know for the first first baby first delivery we were really really lucky um I had no stitching no tearing oh, wow. um nothing like I was super lucky especially the size that he was yeah you know? yeah and he had a massive head <laughs> so um i was really really lucky yeah it seems like your environment was definitely positive but that all that all adds to your recovery and your oh like, yeah everything definitely yeah definitely it was it was a positive first time um delivery and so how were your days then um, following birth? How did you feel? Um, yeah, good. Um, I found the feeding kind of hard because he was a real hungry baby. Yeah. Um, and I found, I didn't, I just didn't find the support amazing from the hospital as far as okay. feeding is concerned. Um, especially being a first time mom, you know, they'd come in and they'd see me you know, feeding and they'd be like, oh yeah, she's fine. And off they go. Um, whereas I was struggling, you know, he was latching on one side and not really on the other side. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I kind of then, so he was born on, at uh, 20 past nine that night. And then of course the following morning, um, <laughs> the doctor came around and I was like, okay, can, can I go home now? And uh, she was like, absolutely. Absolutely not. No, this was a Friday. And she was like, you can't go home till Monday. Oh, the weekend. Why? And she said, because your water's broke and a certain length of time passed between the time your water's broke to the time he was born, which is like 26 hours. She said, there's, you know, a risk of infection. So we have to keep mommy and baby here for 72 hours. And I just could, I got so, so upset. And I said, I can't stay here. I have to get home. And at this stage, my poor dad, like when he found out that Reuben was born that night, he just stopped eating, 
taking his medication. You know, he hung on mm-hmm. really well um, for Ruben to be born. And once he got the word that he was, or he had arrived and he was safe and I was safe and, and well, um, he just, I suppose he stopped um, fighting. Okay. And I remember the doctor saying like, you have to stay. And I said, I can't. Like, I said, you have to let me home. I said, I don't, you know, I'd explain the circumstances. And in fairness, she was so lovely. She was so, so nice. And she said, can we keep you here until seven o'clock tonight? And I said, absolutely, that's fine. Once yeah. I get home tonight. And she said, let's keep an eye on you and keep an eye on baby. And um, if you promise you'll come back in here tomorrow, which would have been the Saturday, come back on the Sunday and come back on the Monday. And I said, okay. absolutely, I will come back as many times as you want me to. Yeah. Um, just that they could check them and make sure that things were good. So, yeah, it was great that night we packed up and we got to go home and straight up to my mum and dad's mm. uh, for dad to meet him. And that was really cool. And then each day after that, we went back up in the morning time just for the doctor to have a check of him to make sure he was he was good and there wasn't a bother. Okay, so, brilliant. That's a lovely example of, um, I think, the doctors working together with you because very often we hear negative stories that they just go against. It's a lovely example of yeah, compassion. No, she, was, she was so, so good. Um, really, really, really accommodating and understanding. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so then with Ruben's kidneys, then, um, he was three weeks old and we had to go back up for his hearing test to the coup, um, because we had obviously missed that when we were, we'd left early, obviously we'd, we got out early and, um, the day before he didn't seem himself and was really fussy on the boob and just kind of out of sorts. Um, and then we went up to the coom for hear, the hearing test and I was actually feeding him while she was doing his hearing, uh, checking his hearing. And I just said, there's something not right. You know, he's just, he's there's something not right with him. And um, she had a look at him and she kind of had this kind of panic in her eyes and she said, we need to go upstairs. So brought us up to ICU and straight into a really nice doctor and checked Ruben and he was burning up with temperature. So they said, right, we need to get you straight to Crumlin um, call for oh an ambulance. Um, myself and Ruben went in the ambulance. Avon drove behind in the car, got into Crumlin and straight away they were thinking um, meningitis, you know, that he was he was so small with such a high temperature. Um, and I kept saying, look, you know, he might have kidney issues. Yeah. Uh, it could be UTI, you know, that does cause high temperatures. Um, but they, I suppose they were just very concerned because the temperature was so high and they couldn't, they couldn't get it down. Um, so they had to do a lumbar puncture. Oh, the poor fella. Yeah. Um, so the first one, we were in the room and... He just was such a strong little baby. Oh. It couldn't, it couldn't do it. And I was hysterical. So we had to leave the room. So we were outside and they tried a second time and they still couldn't do it. 
And I'll never forget listening to listen to the scream of them. It was absolutely horrific. It just it'll, I'll always remember where I was standing exactly um, when it was happening. So then they said, look, we're going to have to admit admit him and I said that's that's fine and um we they brought us down to the Nazareth ward in in Crumlin and so that's like the baby ward and if anyone's ever seen it or has there and if anyone's ever been there it's probably as old older than I am because I would have been there as a baby and it's still the same you know still the same paintings on the walls but they're small little glass rooms that's kind of the way you can describe them so if you're in one room you can see the whole way down to all through all the rooms and so it was the middle of the night and they brought us down and they put us into a room and they said look this is where you're going to be staying and I just completely freaked out and teeny tiny room no windows no doors I was like I cannot I cannot stay in here and I got so so upset so Eamon spoke to one of the nurses and they moved us down to an end room where there was a door like an outside door so yeah. at least I could get fresh air so spent the night there um, and the following morning then lovely doctor came in and he said you know temperature still won't go down you know, from his blood, they could see that his white cells were high. So there was an infection somewhere in the body. And he had mentioned a lumbar puncture again. And I was like, not a chance. You're not doing it. And I said, we need to check the kidneys. So they they had planned to do an ultrasound that afternoon. So in the meantime, I said, look, I'll fly home to my dad just to spend an hour or two with him. So Eamon obviously stayed with Reuben and I went home and as the minute I was out of the hospital, they arrived to take Reuben to do a lumbar puncture. They did it and they succeeded to do it. Obviously, it all came back clear because it was the kidneys. But and how um, did you feel about that? When you came back, you must have been. Oh, I was hysterical. Yeah. Like I knew they were waiting for me to leave. To leave. Yeah. I was like, you're not you're not doing it like there's no way you're putting him through that again for a third time you know they're like well he won't remember and I'm like but I remember I will <laughs> you know, I know what's happening to him um but I was glad that they ruled it out you know yeah. and that they finally started to listen as far as the kidneys were concerned and um, so they brought us up for an ultrasound and they could see uh the reflux and um we had been then told we were going to be referred to the nephrologist mm-hmm. um, who was going to focus in on the kidneys and kind of do a few more tests to let us know exactly what was going on for Ruben. Um, but then that night, my dad passed away. So we had to, I had to try and get home, which I did. And then the following day, I went, Eamon stayed with Ruben. And then the following day, following morning, I went up and met with a really nice doctor and I said look you know um can I bring him home and he's like well no like he's still not well and he's on antibiotics and uh this went on for a few hours and then eventually I just said look my dad died last night and um I need to get home and they were just so good so accommodating okay. and the same thing again they were like look take baby home 
If there's any concerns, you know, keep a close eye on the temperature. Any concerns, um, you need to bring them straight back in. So I had said, look, you know, dad's funeral is on the Wednesday. And they said, well, can you come back in on Thursday morning? And we'll admit him again. And I said, yeah, that's absolutely fine. So that's what we did. Okay. And went back in on the Thursday morning to the nephrology ward, met with the nephrologist um, and kind of went from there as far as the different tests they had to do for him. Yeah. So we figured out that he had grade five reflux on both sides. He has hydrophonosis and he has dysplasia. So basically with reflux, it goes from one to five. And usually between one, two or three, they'll do a procedure to repair it. Okay. When it's five, there's no point. It, 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 wouldn't, it wouldn't work. Um, and that's what they told us. Um, and then the displays of the kidneys is they just don't look like a normal kidney. Um, so then they tested his functioning, his kidney functioning. So one was 52%, one was 48%. Um, that was really worrying. Um, mm-hmm. Because I suppose you think the worst case scenario. Um, but they were very reassuring and said, well, you know, 42 and 58 add to 100. So yeah. they might both be 100, but, you know, he, he's he's a good, good two okay working kidneys. Um, so then it was recommended to have them circumcised. Okay. That for boys that have kidney issues, there's, they're more prone to an infection. Um, with the foreskin and the urine so they recommended okay their decision and I was like oh my God, absolutely not I can't do this to him um, but then I suppose we read up on it and got advice on it and it was the best thing for him you know mm-hmm. to try and keep his kidneys as well as possible so when he was six months we got him circumcised and is the procedure, does he go under any sort of anaesthetic for that? Yeah, they're completely yeah. knocked out. So it's a general anaesthetic. Okay. Um, but very quick. You know, he was in and out in less than an hour. Um, it's not like what we hear. Small, like we hear some terrible reports that it's like that they don't get any. You know, it's not, it's not what we see in the movies. It's No, no. no. And I have heard awful horror stories. He was so small. Yeah. And um, we didn't want him obviously to remember anything so at yeah. six months it was ideal but no it was great got it done and uh, he was sore for a few days just lots of calpol and um, he can't have norphin because of his kidneys um, okay. but no he he recovered really well he's two good kid- kidneys they're still functioning the same as what they were but they're growing each year so you're given the measurements to say you know it's grown this much this year which is really positive yeah that's reassuring um, so yeah not a bother he's he's great and how did your feeding journey go then after when we said at the start of it? yeah it was short and sweet Cora um he was a hungry, hungry baby, but I, I did enjoy feeding him, but I suffered quite bad. So I got mastitis and he had split one of my nipples in three different mm. ways. Um, so that was never, never got back to normal. And um, he, yeah, he was just a hungry little fella. And of course, everyone was like, oh, just give him a bottle, give him a bottle. And I really didn't want to give him a bottle. Uh, I wanted to just try and keep going. Um, so I started pumping. Okay. I tried to use nipple shields to try and protect my nipple. Um, 
And then the week we ended up in the hospital, the few days after, like when my dad passed and we had the funeral, it was like my boobs just stopped making milk. The milk just dried up. It was so bizarre because I would have had like a ridiculous amount of milk. I had to put nappies (laughs) in my nursing bras to try and hold in the milk because I just had a ridiculous supply of milk. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Um, so all of a sudden my boobs started getting smaller the milk just started to slow down and then it just dried up and your body was probably at its limit at that stage like with exhaustion and stress and stress yeah. and the emotional impact as well I actually had a stash up in Crumlin so they had kept that in the freezer for me because they knew I was coming back and then I had a great stash at home so I was able to kind of continue and finish off what I'd left over for him. Um, but yeah, I could have maybe pushed for it and tried to keep going. But with the circumstances, um, yeah. I just, I didn't. So will we get on to your next pregnancy? Uh, planned as well. And she, normal pregnancy, bit of sickness, um, probably for the first few months. And then it kind of settled um kept the every time I was being checked, it was like, oh, she's measuring small, she's a small baby. Um and yeah, quite a normal 
normal pregnancy, nothing uh, concerning. No, and I suppose as well, they had checked. I would have went back to Professor Daly again okay. um, just to check. And he couldn't see anything. He said, I don't Brilliant. see have any concerns and um, but obviously we'll scan her at six weeks to see um if anything shows up so that was grand um i would have got quite a bit of sciatica actually um, okay. but i think it's because i was trying to carry her ginormous brother around <laughs> while yeah. i was pregnant and he just is a buster of a boy so that probably didn't help um your spd didn't return did it uh, no, not really, actually. I had a little bit of, um, I think it was kind of, I'm trying to think, like with Ruben, I didn't really start to show my pregnancy until I was probably six months. Whereas okay. with Pippa, I was only three months and already I was starting to show. So I think it was probably around the 16-week mark when everything was starting to kind of open yeah. and stretch that I could feel a bit of discomfort, but nothing nothing major. Um, but the sciatica would it would lift you out of it and I got stuck in so many awkward positions when the nerve would pull (laughs) yeah and um so did you you that (laughs) good girl girl, (laughs) that's what you want to hear but yeah no like Pippa was yeah it was it was a fine pregnancy you know there was nothing nothing uh, worrying or concerning uh it's just I suppose when you're going from your first to your second your first time you know when you're not feeling well if you're feeling tired the joys of being able to oh, relax yeah. <laughs> lie down but when you have a toddler running around it's so different like I remember the first few weeks when I was sick and Reuben would have only been two if even yeah he was two and five months when she was born so he hadn't even turned to I'd be in the toilet getting sick and he'd come in behind me and rub my back I'll get into labor yeah yeah so when did you sorry I don't even think I asked you when did you go into labor with Reuben oh yeah so Reuben I was 38 hang on now yeah I was 38 plus one okay Oh, sorry, 39 plus one. Sorry. Okay. 39 plus one. Um, so I'd been in with Fitzpatrick when I was 39 weeks and he had done the sweep. Yeah. And then the following day then, following night he was born. Okay. Yeah. And then Pippa, how, how many weeks were you then? So with Pippa, I went full term. Okay. I was 40 weeks and she was born at 40 plus one. So with Pippa, I probably started two days before I had her um, I would have had my mucus plug show probably on the Easter Sunday and um, little kind of twinges were starting nothing major same on the Monday and then the Monday night I kind of knew I was like right we're gonna end up going you know maybe during the night or early in the morning Um, so Got up at five and things were really kind of starting to, to to get going. So eventually headed for the coom, got up into the assessment unit for probably nine o'clock and they had a look and they were like, oh, only two centimetres, um, you should go home. 
And I was like, God, like, I really don't think I should go home. And they're like, well, where do you live? And I said, Nice. And they said, oh, no, you'll be fine. And I said, well, look, let me just go out for a little walk and I'll come back. So we went out for a walk and I just said to Eamon, I, I can't go anywhere. Like, this feels like it's really, really building quickly. So went out for a walk and came back and I just said, look, I don't feel comfortable going. Um, I feel like the contractions are building. Um very quickly so that was fine so on the ball bouncing around um and then I was like I need to lie down so they put me into a ward and that was probably for an hour and a half and kept telling them like really you need to check me you know I feel like um I have to have dilated you know the contractions were really really intense um, I tried to come prepared actually for Pippa's. So I had music and so I had like a playlist to try and listen to just to yeah. try and keep me distracted, but uh, it didn't really work. So my distraction was counting, which is just bizarre. But as the contractions were happening, I just kept counting in my head over and over and over again until they go Um and poor Eamon was just sitting there beside me, go like, didn't know what to do. But so they kept building. I just said, please, will you check me? I said, I just have this pressure, like really serious pressure. So eventually at like 10 to 12, she's like, OK, look, let me have a check. So she had a look and she said, OK. And she looked at Eamon and she said, get all your stuff. We're going to the delivery suite. And I said, OK. So she said, I think we might need a wheelchair. I said, okay. So she got the wheelchair and she said, okay, come on, sit up and get into the wheelchair. And I said, I can't, I can feel her head coming. Like she, she's coming. And she said, get into the chair. <laughs> I said, I can't. So her and Eamon had to lift me into the chair and she ran so fast down the corridor that Eamon didn't know where I'd gone. <laughs> so he was busy grabbing my pregnancy pillow and the bag and running down after her. So she couldn't, there wasn't even a delivery, you know, the, the delivery suites, there was no delivery yeah. suite available. So I was kind of put into an assessment room within the delivery suite corridor, if that makes sense. Okay. So it wasn't your normal room. It was quite small and um, straight in. And I just kept saying, I have to get my epidural. I'm not doing this without an epidural. And they, in fairness, the midwife uh, was so good. And she's like, yeah, of course, we're going to get you your epidural. Knowing full well, I wasn't getting it. Yeah. Um, And she said, you know, I need to call the anesthetist and we need to do, um, we need to do a trace to make sure she's okay. And I said, yeah, yeah, that's fine. Just make sure I get my epidural. And she said, yeah, yeah, we will. And um, so I think it was that I got into that room at, hang on now, I have it here somewhere. I got into the room at five past 12. And in 14 minutes, she was born. Holy moly. And three pushes and she was out. God. But it was just... the most traumatizing experience of my life I just couldn't you know when I realized she was actually coming um, and I wasn't getting my epidural I just turned to Eamon and I said no no I'm not doing this (laughs) Um, I'm going home (laughs) 
And the midwife was like, no, no, Lorraine, you're having your baby. And I said, no, 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 I'm not doing this without pain relief. And uh, she tried to give me the gas and air and I just couldn't stomach it. And um, so, yeah, she was, it was so fast. So, so fast. And how did you feel like pushing her head out? And was it as was tough awful. as you? Yeah. <laughs> it was awful. Yeah. Uh, when they say the burning ring of fire, oh, my dear Lord, it was just awful. Uh, yeah. And it was a really panicked situation. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the midwife was there. Then there was another midwife there. And then two other mid- midwives arrived in. Then a doctor arrived in. And there was just these people everywhere fussing down the end of the bed. And it was so panicked and stressed. And So you didn't have time to catch your breath, even if you did want no. to just like tap into the zone or whatever. You it couldn't. No, 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 absolutely not. It was, she was just coming and that was the end of it. Um but yeah, she just flew out. And how was your feeding um, journey with her? Did you just decide to breastfeed her? Definitely, yeah. So she was super straight onto the chest, latched on straight away. Um, the best part about after her delivery was having a shower yeah. um, because I didn't have an epidural. So the midwife was like, up you get now and in to have a shower. And I looked at her like... I've just had a baby. I can't, you know, walk around and have a shower. And she's like, no, no, come on, get in, off with you. And it was the most amazing shower I ever had. Like, it was so good. Um, And I felt so fresh and so clean and got into my nice comfy jammies, went down to the ward, and it was lovely. And it was the daytime when I had her, so that was really nice as well. Um, But no, feeding, she was brilliant. Really, really good. Um, her latch wasn't the best, but like we persevered. And how did Reuben um, get on with meeting his sister? He was brilliant. Um, I was so, I had myself worked up into such mm-hmm. a state um, before I had Pippa. I was so worried about him and how he was going to feel. Uh, I was so emotional. Um, I remember sitting out for lunch one day with Eamon in the dewdrop and just bawling you know and he said why are you crying and I'm like because he's not going to be our baby anymore you know it's not just going to be him like how's he going to feel and I just was so worried about him I really was like he was only two and five months so he was still very small but he was so gentle and so affectionate and yeah he was great really really good I was so worried about how it was going to be and in the end he was he was brilliant she was a fussy feeder and she was very much feed me and then just leave me alone (laughs) very kind of independent from day one yeah Uh, wouldn't kind of cuddle just wanted to be fed and that was it and then at six months obviously we started to wean her and we went to a friend's wedding for a night and came back and she refused the boob and I tried and I tried and she just wouldn't go back to the boob or would only take the bottle so she decided at six months that that was the end of it. And how did you feel about that? Um, <laughs> so not good um, yeah. I wouldn't have realized until I stopped breastfeeding that I actually had postnatal depression from the time I had Pippa. Um, but it really all came to a head when the feeding stopped really struggling and um, 
probably ignored it for too long. It wasn't actually until I was at another wedding with a, a, friend, a friend's wedding and one of my other friends had a baby and she was asking me about the baby blues. Mm. And she said, mm. you know, did you ever get the baby blues with Reuben or with Pippa? And I said, well, no. I said, with Reuben, I don't think so. You know, there was so much going on. Um, I said, with Pippa, yeah. I said, you know, it lasted a few weeks and then it settled. And I didn't think anything of it until... The following day I was at home and I was kind of reading up on it and I was like, that's not normal. <laughs> you know, that's not baby blues. It shouldn't mm-hmm. go on for a few weeks. Um, so then I just started to feel really not myself and um, I was struggling a lot and eventually admitted defeat, which was ridiculous, and went to my GP. Okay. Um, so she had said that... It had probably started from the time Pippa was born, but it really didn't kind of get really bad until I stopped feeding her. And when I did a lot more reading into it, um, it's a huge thing, you know, when you when you're obviously you're not producing um, that happy hormone anymore, mm-hmm. that it can have that kind of an effect, you know, on you. So. Yeah, I would have been put on medication at that stage because uh, it was quite bad. And did you feel that the medication helped? Like it was a, was what was needed? Um, it didn't for the first probably two months. And then in the January, she increased it. And okay. definitely I within two weeks, I felt like I was a different person. Okay. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then I realized that I needed it. Um, I would have been really kind of anti-medication and, you know, just wouldn't have, you know, it wouldn't have been the first thing that I would, I would go to. But in that October, I was just so low and um, really, really struggling that, you know, I, I, I agreed to it. And then obviously when I felt the, the positive effect of it, yeah. uh, I realized, no, my body, my body actually needs this. And then I suppose when it's explained to you, you know, it's not you, it's hormonal, it's hormones, yeah. it's the hormonal change in your body. Um, so, you know, when I got my head around that, I kind of realized, okay, you know, this is, I need, I need this um, to kind of, get me back um into a good place you know and did your GP recommend that you talk to anyone or was it uh yeah yeah so she actually referred me and do you know actually what was really good as well my public health nurse um I've had so many different public health nurses between the three of them I think on all of them they've changed (laughs) maybe two or three times during that period of of going to see them and then having their their developmental checks um but the midwife that I was with um with Pippa she was really good and she'd said to me um like how are you and I oh, yeah, I'm fine I'm fine I'm fine and you know she kind of whatever way she phrased the questions I think she knew herself that I wasn't good um and then eventually I opened up to her and had said that I'd been to my GP and she had given me medication and she actually suggested making a referral for me um to a psychologist Okay. So she did. And I attended this lovely psychologist, Roisin, um, over in Blessington. And I still actually attend her. 
not regularly, but when I need to. Yeah. And I, like I've had that link with her since um, having Pippa and she's really good. So she was able to kind of help me understand what was going on. You know, she was, yeah, really good support, definitely. But I found the public health nurse really, really good. And you got, you got a lot of support there, it seems, from, from everyone. There was no barriers or anything. Yeah, definitely. Really, really good. And there was no waiting around. And it's brilliant that you're still, like, you're looking after yourself by still going to see her when you feel like you need to because I'm sure you know your body now you know you know the triggers even or you know the, just the feeling creeping up that you need to yeah definitely. Chat. yeah brilliant um, so that's Pippa <laughs> yeah so last but not least um is Ada so Ada was a surprise baby okay <laughs> uh, a very big surprise baby and um, we had planned to have a third baby but just not so quickly um, so Pippa hadn't even turned one. So we got pregnant and then Pippa turned one two weeks later. Okay. <laughs> so that was a huge shock. And um, I suppose I was only starting to kind of get myself back. Yeah. I found out I was pregnant. Um, it was a huge shock. And I remember Eamon... As I remember saying to Eamon, like, I think I could be pregnant. You know, I don't, I, I haven't got my period. Like, I'm late and I'm never late. You know, I would have always been very good at keeping track. Yeah. Um, I would have done it all the time. And um, he was like, no, 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 you can't be. And I said, no, I really think I am. And he was meant to be going over to the UK for work. He came back on the Wednesday. Still no sign of it. So I said, go get a pregnancy test. <laughs> There was no waiting for that uh, pregnant to come up on it. It was like instant pregnant okay. five plus weeks. I was like, oh, dear God. Um, I had only gone back to work a week and found out I was pregnant. Okay. <laughs> so that went down really well in work. Um, they probably thought, oh, she's done this on purpose now because <laughs> she wants to so watch the pregnancy leave. Um, so, yeah, that was a big, a big shock. And I was really worried about my medication. Yeah. yeah. Um, knowing that I needed it, but knowing, you know, is it risky? You know, so my GP had said, look, we'll try and wean you off it. And I said, great. So tried to wean me off it. And I think I was probably four days. So I slowly broke it down. And then I was four days off it and just was not good. It's like a low dose of it. Okay. And that kind of kept me, kept me good from eight weeks up until after I gave birth to her. Oh, no. A few hours after I gave birth to her, I can just vomit constantly, constantly. Um, at eight weeks, I was put on carbon medication from my GP and I stayed on that through my whole pregnancy. And is that for hyperemesis, is it? Yeah. So for me, it's kind of it stopped the vomiting to an extent um but it didn't stop the nausea okay um so like I suppose instead of getting sick you know six times in a day I might only get sick two or three times in a day um but yeah that was a really tough pregnancy and that pregnancy made us decide we weren't having more kids yeah you know I, I probably would have went for it number four 
but after going through through that that was a definite uh decision was made <laughs> you know um and especially the guilt the mom guilt of being so sick and so unwell you know spending more time on the bathroom floor than with my kids um you know Pippa was only a toddler you know she was only one um Ruben was three and yeah I just it was it was really really tough um, were you worried about um, nutrition then for the baby because I've heard of people who would have been on the same yeah. scale as you were you worried that even you, yeah. you were getting what you needed yeah no I really wasn't like um I actually like Ada was six pounds ten ounces okay um and I completely believe that's because I had been so sick um because if you were to look at her now she's a you know <laughs> a big girl as far as you know the way she's built um like Pippa was a small she's very small and slight and petite whereas Ada's quite like Reuben so but even though Ada was my smallest baby um I gained nine pounds from my whole through my whole pregnancy and that was God, it yeah. on Ada. Yeah. And she was 6'10". Um, so, yeah, the I, I to be honest, probably on at least two occasions, I should have went to the coom. Okay. Um, probably to be put on fluid. But I just was like, I have two kids at home. I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not doing that, you know. Um, but, yeah, that was a really, really tough pregnancy. I think with the other two like I would have had sickness on them but it was very much I feel sick I get sick and okay we're okay now you know yeah eat a cracker and we're good to go with Ada um I remember one night and it started at 12 o'clock and it didn't stop till seven god and how, did you give up work uh, no no I was still I was still working I was very lucky though because when I found out I was pregnant um a job opportunity came up which I was successful in getting so I was a manager of a day unit so it's just worked out really well for me because I was office-based okay and so my job I work with adults um with intellectual disabilities and I would have been on the floor as an instructor facilitator so I would have been hands-on personal care and supporting um, adults throughout the day and it's a physical job like yeah. you're you know you know you're it, it's tough going especially if you're pregnant you know on your back and different things like that so they would have done risk assessments and and different things but it just worked to my advantage that I got that job and I was office-based and the wheelchair toilet was right next door to my office so that was my <laughs> go-to spot and everybody kind of knew just don't go into that particular toilet that's kind of Lorraine's Lorraine's yeah toilet (laughs) (laughs) they were so good um really understanding and my manager was great you know if I was having a day where it just wasn't stopping you know it always started in the morning and usually it would settle but if I was having a day where it just was not stopping um I'd say look I can't actually drive to work so um (laughs) I'm not going to be in today, you know. Um, so There's they were really out of control. Do you know, I'm sure they understood oh, that. 
Absolutely. And the worst part for me was I found, you know, when you're pregnant, your pelvic floor isn't as good as it should be. Yeah. And your bladder control wouldn't be the best. Um, with Ada, I found with Pippa, you know, I wouldn't, there was on occasion, I wouldn't have control. But with Ada, every time I vomited, I lost control of my bladder. Oh, so it was really, really embarrassing. Yeah. Um, I remember being out in public and I had the kids with me. And I went, like, I started to gag and was obviously trying to stop myself, but couldn't stop the other, the other side. And did you get your pelvic floor sorted then after Ada? No, I actually didn't up until four weeks ago. Okay. And I attended a new physio because I have quite a bad back um I have bulging discs and I actually went to a different physio a female physio uh Laura Wood is her name in Maynooth she's so lovely and she did a a woman's health check on me yeah I remember you talking about it before yeah I thought you got it done after you had Oliver and I wasn't 100% sure what it was um and I was only going to her for physio Um, But she said, look, we're going to do this. Now, I hadn't a clue what she was going to do. (laughs) Um, But yeah, like got it done. And she said, you know, you actually have a really good pelvic floor. Uh, Your your muscle is good, especially after three babies. Um, So, yeah, she said it was it was fine. Like after having her, I've had no issues. Do you know? Okay, brilliant. Um, But it was just during the the pregnancy and then obviously if I was vomiting that that would happen yeah that's not fun (laughs) no (laughs) definitely not so um how many weeks were you when you went into labor 39 and two okay yeah so all your babies are kind of around the yeah they're in around towards the end of it she was measuring very small obviously through the whole pregnancy and actually when I was 32 weeks pregnant she turned and she was breech okay. and for four weeks I had no vomiting no vomiting right. so I did have a break yeah. um, and then she turned back again head down and the vomiting came back so you had false hope there for a little while oh, God, <laughs> it was yeah. over like, she's giving me a break um <laughs> So Ada, yeah, waters broke that night, uh, went to the hospital, had to keep me because the waters broke. Um, Eamon sent out to the car. <laughs> to Poor Eamon. <laughs> yeah. And um, then all of a sudden, like at two o'clock in the morning, everything just stopped. No contractions, nothing. Um, so I got a great night's sleep. It was super. And the following morning, then doctors came in. I was still only two centimeters. There would have been two centimeters when I went in. They said, look, we're going to keep you, obviously, because your waters are gone. If nothing happens, we'll induce you tomorrow. And so I went and had my shower, you know, blow dried the hair, feeling great. Went down and got a bit of food in the cafe. And then I got a call and they were like, where are you? And I said, I'm downstairs. Like, we have a room. You're being induced now. <laughs> and I was like, no, 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 it's tomorrow. And they're like, no, no, you're coming up now. So straight up to the delivery suite, induced. 
at, I think it was half four, quarter to five, they put me onto the oxytocin. And I was determined this time around not to have an epidural. Okay. Um, as crazy as Pippa's delivery was, afterwards, I realized how good it was not to have the epidural. Yeah. That, okay, those few minutes of, you know, agony or whatever were totally worth it because, you know, I was able to get up on my feet and move around and get myself comfortable. And so I was very much so I don't want the epidural. Um, so tried the gas and air, which actually agreed with me this time around. Um, I arrived actually at the delivery suite with my own vomit bags, which the midwives oh, thought were was hilarious. Hilarious, um, I say so. And I said, but you know, they give you this little kind of cardboard dish, and I said that doesn't work for me. I need, <laughs> I need bags. Um, so yeah, with Ada. Um, quite intense, obviously being induced, but I felt I, I could cope better and yeah. I was able to distract myself better. Um, I had my playlist ready. Uh, I had picture this blaring out of my phone while I marched around the room um, on the ball. So I tried to, to uh, keep going. And then eventually, I think it was trying to think yeah I think it was about a quarter to 11 that night that I was like I need the epidural I just can't I can't go anymore I just wasn't like at that stage I think I was still only maybe seven or eight centimeters and I just thought this is going to be a long night and uh, went and got the epidural and then I was raging because half an hour later I was 10 centimeters and out she popped. And did uh, you tear with her? No. No. She was 6'10". Um, and, yeah, for any of them, I didn't tear. I was so, so lucky. Brilliant, yeah. Like, I really was. And considering uh, how fast the girls were as well. Definitely, yeah, definitely. And the same with Ada. She was great. Straight onto the boob. And feeding away, not a bother on her. So, yeah, and then the same thing again with, with Ada um, had her that night and then the following day. So I had her at like 11.29. The following afternoon got home. Oh, perfect. Yeah, that's what, what you want, isn't it? That's, and actually with Ada, I decided to do the placenta encapsulation. Oh, did you? Okay. Yeah, I read up a lot about it after I had Pippa regarding postnatal depression. And yeah. a lot of women were saying... They felt, you know, it definitely had its benefits. Um, I would have found, with Reuben and Pippa, I would have, obviously, we all lose hair, you know, that's kind of the norm. Yeah. But I would have had a huge amount of hair loss in my hairline. And um, I just read up on it and I just thought this this could, you know, I'll give it a go. Eva's in the freezer. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, when you realise, you know, you've you've spent nine months growing this. Yeah, as well yeah. as your baby and all this goodness is in there and then they're just going to throw it in the bin like um I was raging when my my capsules ended I was like I'd happily buy someone's placenta I felt the benefit with my mood I am um, the hair loss the energy like mm-hmm. I really thought baby number three you know I am going to be absolutely floored the thoughts of night feeds 
was terrifying me before I had her. And I was like, you know, I'm going to be absolutely wrecked. But I found the energy that I got from them was brilliant. And it's really strange. You take your capsule and literally within two hours, you feel that boost of energy coming into you. And how many Um, capsules would you get out of the placenta? So in total, I got 196, I think. So you can take up to four, where I got it done, where you could take up to four a day. So mine got me up to, I don't think I took, I took four a day for the first while and then I brought it down to only two. I got up to 10 and a half weeks out of mine. Um, and then when I, when they stopped, the hair started to fall out. Oh, okay. Yeah. Now, not hugely, but it was yeah. weird. Like the whole time up along, the hair didn't fall out at all. Um, and then once the, the capsule ran out, even if you're considering it, if you just get as much information about it as you can. Yeah. And, you know, what I found fascinating was like, you know, go back to animals, you know, that's what they do yeah. because they know that's where all the goodness is, you know, um, like it's like the, the, the delayed cord clamping, you yeah. know, I would have asked for that as well with Ada. Um, and then when you research and read up about it, you realize, you know, what the benefits could be for you. And especially at number three, I think you're willing to, to give it, give it, give anything, um, with the hope that it'll be a smooth transition for everybody, you know, with a new baby in the house. And so you think the tablets helped your mood. And then after the 10 and a half weeks, do you think your mood stayed, was it steady or do you think things changed? Um, no, I don't think th- things changed. Um, it was actually quite upsetting. It wasn't until after I had Ada that I realized my experience with Pippa was so different. So, so different. And did the people around you see this before you saw it? Um, my mom, definitely. Okay. Um, Eamon, my mom, definitely. Like, my mom is so clued into me. Yeah. <laughs> um, she reads me like a book. And, um, yeah, she definitely would have seen it. But I felt it. Okay. You know, that was that was the crazy thing. I felt the difference. Um, I just loved feeding Ada. It was the most, I just got so much out of it um, and I never wanted it to end ever <laughs> I would have always seen moms that would you know keep feeding their babies up past 12 months year and a half two and I would have been like oh my god what are they doing um, but I totally got it with Ada I was like I do not want this to stop and she was a real cuddler snuggler loved lovely food, loved to feed um was a devil, you know, during the night, even after the time, after 12 months, she'd still only the boob would comfort her. Um, Are you still feeding her? No, no. So back in March, um, I had to go for surgery. So okay. I had, um, or I have a, a demyosis. So it's um, within the womb and they don't know whether that was before babies or after babies, but I would have suffered quite bad after having Ada. Um, so I didn't get my period until she was eight months. And okay. um, they were really bad. And so in the March, I had was planned 
to go in for surgery literally just before lockdown. I was so lucky to get in there. And um, I had to stop feeding because they were going to, I was going to end up having like three incisions and Ada's like a climber for feeding. She'd be on me the whole time. And then also the pain relief that they were giving me, it just right, wasn't okay. safe to feed her. Um, so I kind of knew we had to, we had to stop and it was so hard. She was brilliant at taking the bottle, um, but she just loved the boob. But she found it really hard. So we were actually, the week before I was going in for surgery, myself and Eamon had planned to go away to Amsterdam for two nights, which we did. So that was my opportunity to decide, okay, when I come back, she's not getting the boob. Yeah. Um, and that's what we did. But it was so hard. She just loved, she loved feeding as much as I love feeding her, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, that was, that was really, really tough. Um, and especially when she's still kind of the odd time would look for it. Yeah. But I was like, I can't, I can't go back. You're probably so tempted, but you and, know. Oh my God. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and there's still milk there. So it's not as if I can say, oh no, mommy has no milk. Yeah. Um, like I still had milk. Like Pippa finished at six months. And when I got pregnant with Ada, I still had milk. Wow. So would you ever donate it? I definitely would have. Absolutely. I would have donated it. Um, but because I was taking the caravan yeah. and because I still would have been on my antidepressant during my pregnancy, um, they won't take milk as a donation okay. if you're taking any type of medication. But I would have happily donated because I had nappies full of milk that was wasted. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, thank you so much for bringing us through those lovely, three lovely stories and for being so honest. It was really lovely to have a nice chat with you. No worries. Thanks for having me, Cora. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. If you'd like to share your story, you could send me an email at nice to meet you IRL at gmail.com or you can find me on Instagram under Ireland's Birth Stories. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.